It's time for today's episode of the College Recruiting Weekly Podcast with your host, zero-time Grammy winner and America's recruiting guru, Dan Duder. Well, as most of you know, a big part of the recruiting process, a big focus of the recruiting process is getting the attention and a reply and communication from a new recruit. But something actually competes with that, surpasses that even, in terms of one of the more challenging aspects of the recruiting process when it comes to communication, and that is reinitiating contact with a recruit who has fallen off the line, who just does not reply anymore, doesn't answer a text message, won't reply to a voicemail, or if they do, they're very slow to do that, and you just get the feeling that they're begrudgingly getting back to you. Well, that's what I want to focus on today because, and I was going to say this time of year, uh, which for us right now, as I record this, is in the spring, but really it goes throughout the year, all throughout the process, especially if it's a longer recruiting process, there are times when the recruit that you're really interested in and that at one time had a good process of back and forth communication with just isn't responding. And I want to go through what our research shows are the reasons for that and what you can do to fix it. Uh, Of course, nothing's universal. You can't fix it all the time. This isn't magic or sorcery or we're not hypnotizing them into responding. Sometimes the recruiting process has just ended and we want to talk about how to recognize that and what to do with it when that happens as well. But when there is a chance to reinitiate, which I would say is most of the time, you have to do it correctly. You have to do it intelligently and you cannot wait because the longer you wait, the more of a a regular feeling it is to not be communicating with you if you are that recruit. And we definitely don't want that to be the case. So let's dig in a little bit on the why. Why does this happen And the first thing that I would say, and there are really five core reasons why it happens, number one is lack of a consistent message. There is a lack of consistency. Now, not a big surprise if you follow the podcast, or certainly if you are a client of ours, or you've been to a conference, you've done a workshop, we are big on consistency. And the only reason we are is because the athletes we do focus group testing with have told us how important consistency is from the coach out to them in terms of an outbound message that explains why I should choose you. Now, I worded that very carefully, coach, because that is not you texting them saying, hey, great game, uh, or can we talk this uh, this coming Tuesday? That's That's not the consistency I'm talking about. That's not the message I'm talking about. This generation buys ideas. They make decisions based on the story that you tell. They have to buy into a story. That's why you'll notice a big shift in advertising, commercials that you might see, whether it's online or on television. Anywhere you see advertising now, what is the theme? The theme is the story behind the product or the service. Why should I do business with you? Why should I wear your shoes? Why should I buy your insurance versus another insurance company's insurance? And The focus is to get us to buy into the story, to get us comfortable and even um, liking the people who are uh, delivering that advertising message. 
And when we don't offer consistency, it breaks up the story. It's like walking out of a movie to go get popcorn midway through, and you feel you walk in, you only miss 10 minutes, but it feels like you've missed a lot because two or three scenes have passed. So what do you have to do? You have to tell the person next to you or ask the person, hey, what did I miss? What's going on? And they have to quietly tell you what's going on. So that is an example of the lack of consistency. When we break up our intake of a message at a movie or while we're watching television or seeing an online ad or whatever it is, it breaks up the consistency and we need consistency if we are going to buy something. So if you have maintained or um, or are showing signs of inconsistency in your message to me as a recruit from you as a coach, I'm going to assume a couple of things and they're not going to be good things. I'm going to probably assume that you're not interested in me. I'm not that important to you. You must be talking to somebody else instead of me. And those are all things that athletes come back and tell us they think or feel as they go through the recruiting process. So there has to be a fix for that. And we'll get into that here in a second, but that's reason number one as to why they may have fallen out of contact with you. Um, The other thing that that they might be feeling is, or, or maybe misunderstanding, is they may have an inaccurate definition of you and your program. So let's say this, let's say you're a division one coach listening to this podcast right now. And you had a season where, boy, was it a rebuilding season. Uh, Normally, you win 18 games a year. This year, you only won six. And you had a young team, all sorts of things that were going on. And one of the things that has been your hallmark that you've been defined by is your winning tradition. Or let's say you're Division Three, or an NAIA school, and you are a uh, coach at a school that really doesn't even have a brand. You have a, a good team and you don't do bad and it's a great little place to go to school and your kids like it there. But for the athlete that doesn't know anything about you, what do they think about the school? Well, they probably think, oh, it's small, probably not very much fun. I've never heard of the town that it's in. I don't know that I would want to live in that state. And so I, I insert all of this negative definition of your program, which is inaccurate, but If that's my definition, and if because of a lack of consistent messaging outbound, you haven't told me otherwise, I'm going to go with my definition because that's just what we do as humans. We do this all the time as adults. Let's not pick on the kids too much. We as adults do this every single day. We predefine something, and we run with it, and we don't bother to look into it further because we just like having the satisfaction of knowing that we've defined it, we think it's right, and so, so be it. So if you are uh, dealing with a prospect who has an inaccurate definition of you or your program and basically feels like there's not a reason I should be contacting or continuing contact with that coach, well, now you know the reason. Um, Third why is that they get distracted. And I, I hate to be so blunt and so simplistic with that part of the, the message that I want to send to you, but the reality is these are 16, 17, 18-year-old kids who uh, their minds, their brains are not fully developed, and they get distracted easily. And so they, what, what do they get distracted with? Personal life. They get distracted by what's going on at school, uh, what's going on at home, and sometimes that is a, a high distraction with a lot of emotional uh, baggage associated with it, so they get distracted that way. 
they get distracted with the latest coach or program that has recruited them. So you used to be the new, fun, interesting topic that they could focus on. Well, that was three months ago, and now I'm on to these other two schools that are the newer, more fun, focusable uh, uh, programs for me as the athlete. So don't discount distraction. In fact, factor it in. Expect them to be distracted from time to time, which again, that that consistency of message is so important because it helps dial them back in to not being distracted when there is a lack of consistency, along with that inaccurate definition, which were the first two points I passed along. Point number three comes into play. They get distracted. Bored, I look elsewhere, and I am now not talking to you. Um, point number four, remember I said there were five key reasons why this is happening. Point number four that we find happens a lot is that they feel that like they have more time in the process. So you as a coach, of course, want them to act quickly. You want them to fill out your questionnaire. You want them to send this to you. You want them to schedule their time on campus. You want them to make a decision. There is always something that you are giving to them, or at least in your mind, thinking that here is the deadline. I need this to happen. Why isn't it happening? On the athlete's side, if they haven't got any idea of what your timeline is, they may feel like they just have all the time in the world. And you know what? We've talked a while. I can put you off to the side here and get back with you in a month or two, and you'll still be there because I don't know any different. Um, So I'm going to put this one a little bit on your shoulders, Coach. That feeling that an athlete has more time, and maybe you're sitting here listening to this no matter what division level or sport you coach, and you're thinking, yeah, I think maybe these kids think they have more time than they do when they really don't, uh, I'm going to put that squarely on your shoulders. That is your responsibility. Something, the, the ball was dropped somewhere on your end and miscommunicated or not communicated to them uh, when, it come, when it comes to the time that they have. It's a lack of a defined timeline and deadline. And just like consistent messaging, you know we are big on what the the stats, the data, the research and focus group testing we've done shows us the value of setting and establishing a timeline and explaining what that is to the recruit and coming up with a deadline that is voiced in a certain way and defined in a certain way. And without going into a lot of detail and that tangent that could take up the next half hour uh, beyond what this topic is talking about. Uh, you can look up all the information on our website at dantutor.com about timelines and deadlines. If you are a subscriber to Honey Badger Recruiting, we've got loads of articles and examples, real-time examples, uh, interaction with coaches and athletes that demonstrate how important a timeline and a deadline is. Or we've done topics on that here on the College Recruiting Weekly podcast as well. So, You can look up all that if you want more information, but just understand that if they feel like they have more time, they're going to take that time, and sometimes that is a problem for you as a coach. And the last thing as far as the why behind why they are not initiating or keeping in contact with you like they used to is pretty simple. They're not interested anymore. And what we find with this generation is that instead of being polite and professional and sending you an email or a text or a note or something. Hey, coach, thank you for recruiting me. I really appreciate the interest, but I've decided to focus my interest elsewhere. Here's where it is. Thank you and goodbye. Um, They just don't do that. Why? Because they have heard the stories of 
recruits getting scolded by coaches, yelled at by coaches, criticized, pressured to keep contact. And so their defense mechanisms kick in. And their defense mechanism is centered around, you know what, maybe if I stop talking to you, you'll stop talking to me, and I won't have to have that confrontation. Um, a lot of kids will tell us that that very much mirrors the way that they break off relationships in high school, um, romantic interests uh, in high school, that they'll just not talk. And that sends the signal that's needed to the other person that this is over, and they're extending that now to coaching relationships and recruiting relationships, which doesn't help you because if you don't determine and define and confirm that they are not interested, your go-to um, uh, feeling usually is, I'm just going to keep trying, I'm going to keep trying, I'm going to keep trying. Certainly a place for that at times, but in this case, we don't want to continue if we know they have made the decision that they're not interested in your program and they're not going to go to the school. So how do you find out whether or not they are truly interested or whether or not they have written you off? We have to find out if we want to reinitiate uh, because, again, I don't want to reinitiate contact if that contact is fizzled and they're not interested and they've already made that decision because you have better things to do as a coach and Part of the recruiting process, honestly, is to figure out which kids are not interested in us, truly not interested, and they've made the decision that they are not going to come and compete in our program. Part of the process is you determining that and defining that because when you do that, you cross them off the list and that gets you as quickly as possible refocused on athletes who would be uh, interested and are on the list. So how do we find out? We find out by going to them, and we almost, I will say, have to trick them into revealing that they are not interested. Uh, whenever we can get them to just come out and say, yeah, coach, I've just decided it's between these other two schools. I'm not inter interested in you. Yeah, should have contacted you, but I didn't. Sorry about that. Um, okay, we can find out that way, and sometimes that will be revealed uh, once you kind of put them on the spot and ask them uh, if they are you know, continuing to have interest in you. But let's just assume that they're not, that you have to do a little bit of digging. Um, a couple of different ways we have we have recommended over the years, especially in our workshops, we end up talking about this a lot. And by the way, if we haven't hosted a workshop on your campus with your athletic department, uh, get your AD to schedule a time to do that because it's highly, highly effective and we can really focus on the specifics of your school. Um, we would love to do that. And you can find out all the information about that on dantutor.com. Just go to the workshops tab and uh, you're off and running. But let's get back to this, that how do you find out? Uh, one of the things that I think is the most effective is for you to very quickly and, and abruptly in a text message. You could also do it in a phone call. You could also do it in an email or a letter. Um, but I, text message is good because I think it's conversational enough where this works and coaches have had a good degree of success with it, is for you to basically, without any kind of uh, greeting or hello or any kind of context or you know a recap of your history with them, to just abruptly email them and say, hey, haven't heard from you in a while. I'm assuming that you don't want the offer or you don't want the roster spot. However you want to phrase that, it's really a sentence putting out there that you're assuming one thing. 
and now you're waiting for them to respond. Well, first of all, if they don't respond, then you have your answer that they're probably not interested because why? You are putting something that could be a possible consequence of them not responding, which is the roster spot that you're offering if you don't have a scholarship or scholarship money or the full ride offer or whatever it is. I want to go in and tell them, hey, we're assuming this, not criticizing it, just matter-of-factly, here's what we are assuming. We're stating a fact as we see that fact as a coach. Put that out there on a text message. And obviously, again, if you don't get a response, that means they're probably not interested and we can move forward. If that's wrong, if if they are still interested, what you're going to get back from them is, whoa, whoa, coach, no, no, I, I'm here. I'm sorry. I was just busy you know, whatever, whatever. Yeah, I'm still interested. I'm just looking at this other school too, but yeah, let's uh, let's call. And they're going to do that if they're still interested because they don't want the consequence of missing out on the roster spot, the opportunity, the scholarship, or whatever it is. So again, if they're interested, they will correct your assumption. If they are not interested and they respond to that, what you're going to hear is something to the effect of, Hey, coach, yeah, sorry I haven't been in contact. I've been focusing on these other two schools. The other school offered me this. So, yeah, I don't think I'm going to be coming to your school. Again, all this is based on you sending out the text message that's saying, here's what I'm assuming, and leaving it there very short, very fast, to the point, and then let them fill in the blanks and react to it. Don't make this a long message. If you want to use this strategy to find out whether or not they're really interested with the idea of reinitiating contact and reinitiating the process towards them choosing your school as a prospect, you have to be fast and short with it because we want them to step in and fill in the blanks. So you're either going to get a no or a yes or some sort of detail and reason as to what's going on and why they haven't. Um, been in contact lately. And that's what we're looking for here. We want to find out, should we reinitiate? And that one uh, strategy that I just outlined of, of, which I will call the assume strategy, really works well. And you might want to try that. Social media and branding are becoming more and more important to college coaches around the country. The resource more coaches are turning to than ever before, preseason. Led by former coach Jason Schmidt, along with the insights and strategy from Dan Tudor, preseason is helping coaches break through the clutter and reach their recruits in a way their competition just can't match. You should check it out, coach. Go to hellopreseason.com to see how they're doing it. And now, back to the show. Um, the, other, the second thing that really works well, if we're trying to find out and gauge interest so that we can reinitiate contact, is reaching out to the parents. Now, this in, this requires you to have a relationship in some way, shape, or form with the parents. You don't need to be necessarily talking with them, but as part of that consistent communication, one thing you need to do, I think, is to be communicating and talking to and writing the parents. That means their email, their uh, they're getting letters. If you can get their their cell phone and get and be texting them, then I think that's a that's a huge thing. But that's throughout the process. And part of the reason we do that, and we're so focused on that, even in the messaging that we create for our clients, uh, that it, it we make sure that it includes occasional messaging to the parents, is because number one, we want the parents, and we know the parents are involved in the process. 
and I want them to feel like they are getting recruited from us as coaches. Number two, it's when I need to contact them, when I need them to be involved, like in the situation we're describing now, which is they have a son or a daughter who we really want to continue the process with, and that son or daughter is not reciprocating. I need the parents to step in because the parents may not know that the son or the daughter isn't doing their part in following up and being able to text them, email them and saying, hey, just FYI, I've been trying to contact uh, Jason and he's not reaching out. Just want to make sure I still had his right cell number. Was something going on? Uh, Can you let me know? Because we still are holding his roster spot. Um, again, you might have the parent be the one to update you and give you either good news or bad news, or the parent is going to get somewhat upset at their son or their daughter and get on them to reply to you, in which case they do, and we can reinitiate the process. So again, um, that third why reason that we talked about a few minutes ago, the, the, the kids get distracted. They get bored with the recruiting process. They feel the pressure. And whenever I feel any of that as a teenager, what we know from this generation is that I put it off to the side and I ignore it and maybe it'll go away. Or I just don't have to think about it today. And today becomes another week, two weeks, a month, and so on. So by going around them and to the parents, that is a huge, huge way to find out what's going on and to reinitiate the contact. If you aren't in communication with the parents, if you don't have a relationship, you have not been telling them the story and getting their feedback and doing at least at least a, a, a basic summary back and forth communication with them over even an ex, a small period of time, it's very hard to now ask for the parent involvement this deep in the process when we've never reached out to them before. It doesn't feel right. It doesn't feel right for you. It certainly doesn't feel right for them. And it just makes it awkward and ineffective. So if you're going to use that strategy to find out, then you're going to have to put a little bit of the work in getting back to that consistent messaging so that they feel like there is a reason to contact you, that they do owe you an explanation or a contact, or that they can be your go-between and get their son or daughter back in communication with you. Uh, And the other thing I would say, just in terms of finding out, understand that in the big picture, this is part of the process. Finding out where they're at at that moment, uh, assuming that there are times in the process where they aren't interested or they are bored or they are distracted, that's just a part of the process. It's a part of the job. It's your job to do that. So in the things that I've given you, those two strategies that that we just outlined, um, I think that you you can get answers. You know there are other other ways to do it. There are absolutely other ways to do it, and you might have your favorite way already. And I'm going to say if that's working, then don't change it. But always be assuming that something isn't right, that that you are in third place or fourth place or sixth place, and there's a reason to check in with them and find out what's going on and where are you at and. It's easier if you've done the things that I just described, uh, like the contact with the parents and the messaging and being consistent. But regardless, um, your job is to assess and find out where are they at and what do I have to do next? And how do I work my best to reinitiate that contact? So to wrap up this, let's focus on a couple of things of how to do that, how to reinitiate contact with a recruit that you're really interested in. 
when you are reaching out to contact them, and, and by the way, it's it could be non-contact on your part that you feel a little bit guilty that you have been out of communication, you've been a little bit distracted and not done a good job of communicating with them, but you want to reinitiate it now. Um, point number one, strategy number one on how to do that. I want you to take the blame. How does this look? This might be a text message or an email or even a letter that could go to the athlete or the athlete and the parent saying, hey, I've just wanted to write and apologize. I've I've been a little busy. Uh, I've been a little distracted. I had this going on. Here's what's been going on in our program at our school. Give them some reason why it happened that you have fallen out of uh, out of contact with them, uh, and and lay it out there in in that message as a way to start off that message. If it's totally reversed, if you've done a good job and you have uh, not heard back from them, so we're we're pinning the blame on the student athlete prospect at this point. Uh, you can still take the same approach. Take the blame, even though it's not your fault. Take the blame. And say something maybe to the effect of, hey, I feel a little bad. I don't think I've defined exactly how we feel about you. You're really important to us. Um, haven't heard back from you in a while, and I think that's my fault. It's not. But let's just say we're going to take that blame, and it's I, I'm going to take the blame for it and say, I think that's my fault. I would love to get back with you and talk with you about X. What is X? X could be, again, my plan for you here. Um, we've narrow down our list, you're still on it, come up with some reason to now reinitiate the process, but open with the idea that you're going to take the blame for it, whether or not it's really their fault or truly it's your fault and you've just been distracted. You've been a little bit um, lazy in terms of the consistency of the message, and now we want to reinitiate. When you take the blame, you take the pressure off of them because they're probably feeling a little bit of guilt at not following up with you as well. You're laying it on yourself. And really what when coaches try this method, what they find in the response from the from the prospect or the prospect's parents, whoever I'm going out to with this, you know, hey, I'm taking the blame message, is they're going to try to make you feel better. Hey, coach, no, it's, it's totally okay. Um, it's all good. And they're going to try to make you feel a little bit better because how often in our lives now do we have somebody say, Without being asked or put in, you know, in a corner, saying, "Hey, something happened, and this is my fault. I'm taking the blame for it." It's so extraordinary now when somebody has that kind of character to do that. Um, it gets noticed, and I think it will get noticed by your prospects when you do it as a way to reinitiate contact. At least the coaches who have tried it say that's what they're experiencing. So I'm trusting that it's going to be the same experience for you as well. Second strategy that you can use is ultra-short messaging. This goes back to um, that assume strategy in terms of finding out whether or not they're really interested. I'm going to stick with that and really focus on short messaging. So the longer the message, the lower drawn out, the more professional it sounds, the less I am apt to reply because it becomes harder to reply to that kind of a message. When it's short and to the point – um, something to the effect of, hey, we haven't talked in a while, wanted to talk to you about campus. What's your biggest question about us at this point in the process? Something like that that's just, again, a quick email, text. You could even do that on a phone voicemail message that you leave. You could certainly write it in a letter. Um, 
you could text it as well, but if they're not responding to text messaging uh, already, I might try a different medium, but make the message short. The shorter the message, the, lo- the, the more likely it is for them to respond. And so the longer the message, then the opposite is true. It's going to be less likely that they'll respond. It could be that your messages are too long, too packed with information, and they need to be shorter because if they're shorter, I'm going to respond, especially if you ask a question like, what do you want? How are you feeling? What is it that you want to see happen next? All those things stand a better chance of getting a response. I would keep it short because we've seen that strategy work in terms of reinitiating contact and reinitiating the process. And also, since I mentioned all those different types of messages, this is why a variety of messaging in that in that whole theme of consistent messaging, why a variety of messaging long-term is so important. One of the things, and this is a little side tangent here, but it's going to help explain why this short messaging is such a good strategy to use. One of the things we've seen with coaches is that they will sort of glom on to their favorite way of communicating. For some of you, that's email. You like phone calls. You're only going to do phone calls. You're only texting. And we have settled on one thing, or maybe it's direct messaging, social media, that type of thing. And what athletes have repeatedly told us over the last five to six years, as all these different forms of communication have really taken hold, they want and need and appreciate and like a variety of messaging. So I don't only want an email I want your interpersonal phone calls, text messages. Um, I don't only want a text message. I also want written material because that shows me that you're important. I want you to sign something, write a little PS, write me a letter. Even if it's not handwritten, um, I still need it printed so that I can have it. It's tangible. This is why a variety of messaging long-term is so important because when I then want to distract them or switch in methodology. So let's say I've been doing a lot of phone calls and texting and I realize, uh uh-oh, I haven't done my written communication message. I can jump in with an email and they're used to getting an email from me. At least it's happened in the past. Or a letter is probably the best way because it's so distracting. When a letter hits that household and it's sitting on the counter, it will not get ignored. So written messages in the form of something they have to open like an envelope, um, almost 100% interaction, and they will read your message and then hopefully interact with it. But that variety of messaging is really, really key when it comes to what we're talking about here, especially how to reinitiate contact with a recruit. Keep that message short and don't be afraid to use different mediums that you don't typically use uh, or that are in the mix of what you have been using. Um, The other thing I would say is you can't stop messaging. You can't stop communication. You can't stop trying to reinitiate contact. Now, every coach has their limits. Um, I was just talking with a coach the other day where they have a very set number of times they'll reach out to a prospect, and then after that, they're cutting it off. Absolutely fine. But don't stop with the communication Uh, and asking and trying to reinitiate, and especially don't stop with the communication, even if it's deeper in the process. What I mean by that, continue to recruit them through written messaging. Uh, That will make it less likely that they drop out of contact with you. If you're inconsistent with messaging, they'll probably be inconsistent with messaging. And if there's no opportunity to give interaction, if it's just messaging for the sake of telling you something and you don't want my interaction or I feel like you don't, 
then I'm probably not going to give you my interaction. So don't stop communicating with them. That is a very valid and effective third way to reinitiate contact or have it never drop off of contact. Um, and the last thing I will say in how to reinitiate contact is to jump in and, again, through a short message, through maybe a different medium, explain to them what the next step in the process is. From your point of view as a coach, what needs to happen next? What are you waiting on happening next? Prospects want to know and get a feel that they are involved in a process that's moving forward. Um, sometimes coaches are so polite and they're so hands-off that they they don't communicate what those next steps are. They want to leave it very open for the athlete to take their time. Well, in the process, what you're telling the athlete, maybe um, you know, accidentally, is we're not that interested in you. So yeah, whenever you want to take this up, that'd be fine. We'll we'll take a look at you. Um, it does not emulate what they envision for recruiting. It does not emulate and copy what other coaches may be doing. And I am usually going to respond as a prospect to the coach who puts the most effort into directing me through the process and how to do that. Um, many coaches at all different division levels in all different sports want to be polite, don't want to pressure the athlete, don't want to uh, overstep and say things that seem like they're too much of a statement versus a question. Um, and that's that's one approach. It's an approach that I don't see working very well because in the process of doing all of that, trying to be nice, trying to be professional, trying not to pressure them, they feel a very strong lack of direction. Uh, direction is different than pressure. You directing them through the process is important. Reinitiating contact through explaining the next step in the process is powerful because it gets them back online. It tells them that somebody is going to tell them how to do this, and they're naturally curious about that, and they will usually respond to it. Um, again, I wanted to bring this topic up because so many of you are dealing with it throughout the year in almost every recruiting scenario. We haven't talked much about it before, and several of you have asked about this and in the conversations that you're having with me one-on-one um, -on -one as a client or with uh, just questions that come in that we get on the website. Um, the, it, we get a lot of questions about this, so I wanted to just jump in and explain why it's happening, how to find out, and then how to prevent it or reinitiate contact if you need to. Don't be surprised when it happens because it's going to happen. The big thing is, are you doing the things you need to do as a coach to redirect it, get it back on track, so that you can get that prospect in your program. That's what I wanted to focus on today. Hope that helped, Coach. My email is dan at dantutor.com. You can reach me there. Go to the website, dantutor.com, with all the resources that we have for you that can help with more contact on all this. I really want you to take control in reinitiating contact using these strategies. They work. We've seen them work, and I think they will work for you as well. So, Coach, go out and try it and let me know how it works. College Recruiting Weekly is a production of Tudor Collegiate Strategies, copyright 2022 through 2023. To contact the host, email him at dan at dantutor.com. And do us a solid, Coach. Rate and review our podcast right now. Plus, it wouldn't kill you to tell your fellow coaches about it, would it? So do that, too. And stay tuned for the next amazing episode of the College Recruiting Weekly Podcast. Oh, <laughs>